welcome to the Polaris PT Podcast, where we have conversations and learn the stories behind the people involved in all aspects of health and wellness, be it physical, mental, relationships, and yes, even spiritual. I am your host, Dr. Brig Woods, physical therapist and owner of Polaris PT and Wellness. On today's podcast, I have Luke Kayam. Luke Kayam has been a personal trainer. He's been a gym owner in the functional fitness space. He has been an entrepreneur and innovator in that space as well. And he now has made it his life, work, and mission to be able to inspire, empower, educate, and raise the standard of men in the arena of life. So welcome, Luke Kayam. Luke, thanks, uh, dude, thanks for having me over. I'm, I'm actually out of the office right now, and I'm in Luke Kayam's home. He's been gracious enough to host me, and we're recording this here at his place. So, Luke, if welcome. You, if you knocked out my last name that cleanly, we must know each other for a lot longer than a week. Yeah, <laughs> we've known each other. We've known each other for a, a long time. I what was that? Two thousand twelve. Two thousand and twelve sounds about right. Was that when you were doing sick fit? Uh, yeah, we we closed doors two thousand sixteen. So we were running. Uh, a functional fitness gym from 2008 is when we first affiliated with CrossFit Scottsdale and we closed our doors 2016. So somewhere in that time span. Yeah. I was, yeah, I was working as a, as a physical therapist up in this area of Arizona. So Luke is located in Scottsdale, Arizona. I'm, I'm located out in Queen Creek and Gilbert, but I was out this way for work a time or two and needed to get get a workout in. And so I would, Luke was gracious enough to host me and let me come work out at his gym. And that's kind of how we got got to know each other. My older brother had known him and, and they'd done some stuff in that functional fitness world. So yeah. Yeah. And, and in fact, I think what you had just changed from the CrossFit affiliate yeah, and had tried, you guys were starting, I believe it was sick fit, right? Sick fit. That's right. That's right. <laughs> and you guys actually had a couple other affiliates other than Scottsdale, right? Yeah. We started to see the challenges, problems, and issues with the CF affiliate model. Sure. And like I explained to a lot of people, maybe I'll explain for your listeners. That's fine. Yeah. There are three CrossFits. There is the methodology which is a training tool to right. teach people how to be fit there is the sport and there is the business and there are three completely different parts of the game uh, and so we were at a stage where we were no longer wanted to be involved with the business of it right for many reasons uh, the most important one was that there was no um, there was no brand uh, that there was no standards, right? Right. And, and so you know what you got in one place, you didn't get in the other. Uh, and so my wife and I, we acquired this global lifestyle brand, SickFit. Yeah. And then we decided to put some standards on it. And from the business standpoint, uh, we started opening sick fit gyms. We got to six. That's and th impressive. This is pre-F45, pre-Orange Theory, so I'll, I'll date myself a little bit. No. Uh, and we were really close to franchising the model. Uh, and then we just realized we did not want to teach people how to be fitness entrepreneurs. Right. Uh, because you either had it or you didn't. But dude, CrossFit, early CrossFit was the Wild West, man. And everybody thought it was... All I got to do, I go take this, pay my thousand bucks, take this course. I'm out of shape, but I don't care. I'll find somebody who is in shape, right? I'll pay my thousand bucks, get my CrossFit affiliate, pay my two grand to affiliate. 
And dude, people are just going to flock because it's the hottest thing going. And that's why you saw gyms pop up and close. And honestly, it's probably the biggest reason why CrossFit or functional fitness has such a bad rap as far as, oh, don't do CrossFit, you're going to get injured. When it really doesn't have any more injury rate than any other sport, right? That other piece of CrossFit. Look at running. I mean, uh, yeah. mar- marathon runners die more than I believe just about any other demographic of fitness right. out there. And it's interesting. They've done research and literature studies on CrossFit injuries. And the, the number one injury is shoulder, followed by low back, followed by knees. And you're actually more likely to injure yourself. So I think it's something like, like 3.2 times more likely to injure yourself. I've got to go back and look at the study. If you're male, so men get injured at a far higher rate because we're stubborn and we're like, no, I'm not going to let this little person tell me what to do. I can lift that weight. No, you can't. <laughs> right. If you jump back and forth between RX and scaled, and for those of you who don't know what RX is, that generally the, the workout comes with a certain weight prescription and people who routinely flirt back and forth between those two are more likely to be injured. And then the level of coaching and the level of coaching early on because there were no standards Mm. just wasn't there yeah the two biggest injuries i saw were rhabdo oh Uh, i've actually never known anybody oh yeah yeah we we used to we used to knock them down man we'd see rhabdo a lot and shins oh and one of my greatest (laughs) uh you know i can still picture it was woman came in at seven in the morning i was coaching the six and seven a.m class yeah. And this is why programming was like my specialty is with, you know, even with RX or scaled, like n- nobody should be doing inverted handstand pushups if you can't do a regular pushup. Right. And so we started to change the philosophy. And so I created this system or progression called life, fitness and sport, which was part of the CrossFit model, excuse right. me, the sick fit model. Yeah. And uh, shins were the number one injury. This woman came in one morning and I had the, 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 the progression of box jump, which was box jump up, step down. Yep. It was step up, step down or jump up, jump down. Right. And you remember all those Achilles explosions oh, had yeah. happened. So this woman walks in, she goes, I don't think I can jump on a box. And she jumped and she hit her shins, and at 7.01, I'm dialing... 911? Know, yes, because her shin just exploded. Like, I saw the white tissue. Yeah, so, you know, a lot of injuries came from that. But again, a lot of really good people... 100%. ...also came from that. Some of, you know, I had a guy in my garage this morning, still doing the garage gym thing with my neighbors, yeah. you know, stay fit. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, he was a member 10 years ago of, of our gym, He's a he's a member of my new tribe, Fathers of the Future. Yeah, and uh, you know that wouldn't have happened had had it not gone through that that time period, that wave, right, of functional fitness. Well, and there's something to, to be said for bringing people together when it absolutely when you're just in the suck, right? Community. Yeah, and that was that's probably the biggest thing that draws a lot of people to first people go because they like oh they see CrossFit everybody's cut up it's a buzzword right? yeah. yeah but then they go and they realize what a what an exceptional community of people there are you know some of the best people i know came from yeah i mean th- this this wouldn't have happened yeah if it wasn't for functional fitness yeah your your brother was uh was a close ally uh, and i remember meeting chris powell at your brother's gym yeah uh and then i saw chris powell at a cardinals game uh, about six weeks ago okay he, he was doing the can't think of the exact program he's running, but it's a national campaign. Yeah, it's a big deal. On physical fitness. Right. 
And I thought that was really cool. And you, you guys know? probably connected and hadn't talked a yeah. whole lot since. Yeah. I mean, before that, right? But you'd had that relationship. Yeah. yeah, some great people, man. So Fathers of the Future, that's one of the things that really want to make me talk to you is as I was following your career a little bit, because I've still, you know, social media allows me to stalk you. Um, you've you've shifted gears and kind of moved away from fitness. So my greatest fear yeah. as a 21-year-old personal trainer okay. was being a 40-year-old personal trainer. Okay. Yeah. That's I dropped out of college freshman year, got right into it, started, you know, learning the ISSA, International Sports Science Association sure. way, worked at the front desk, was never going to college, uh, was never going back to college, never going back to school. And I realized, man, I needed to, you know, learn this craft. And I invested heavily early in making this what I did. Yeah. And uh, that progression took me into um, learning about CrossFit and then eventually getting to a place where I got closer to 40 Yeah. and realized, man, I don't want to keep doing I'm this. I'm still a personal trainer, <laughs> just a different kind. That's right, man. And, and so I, I started looking down the, the barrel of that shotgun saying, man, you know, what am I going to do? You know, my kids were getting older. I yeah. raised them in the gym. My wife came on board. You know, we had this family fitness. It, it was a, an amazing time. Right. But I was also starting to outgrow it. Yeah. And I and I knew I couldn't compete with the Instagram booty model. Oh, yeah, no. I, I can't. I, yeah. I'm like, I often said, I'm like, yeah. if I could wear spandex <laughs> and a sports bra in my Instagram, I'd probably have more. I'd probably have less followers. Nobody, nobody wants to see that. So we uh, decided to sell the, the gym and with that kind of closed down my fitness business in uh, 2016, June 2nd to be exact. I knew I was done. Yeah. I didn't know where I was going or what I was doing next. Yeah. And so sold the gym and at the same time kind of started learning a little bit about digital marketing and, and launched uh, two brands before Fathers of the Future. Both of them were, were epic fails. Sure. Uh, you know, a helicopter lift off of the side of a mountain uh, with the fittest tribe alive. Okay. Uh, and I realized, man, I don't want to be taking people on tours to these, you know, extravagant areas, even though it was cool for a minute. Yeah. Uh, I didn't want to do that because that was just kind of a parallel step inside of fitness. Sure. And so my story about fathers of the future goes back to my my own beginning. Yeah. And so I grew up without a father, no okay. positive male role model. Yeah. My mom was 43 when she had me, single parent, only child. Wow. My dad had three kids with three different women. My mom just happened to be one. Yeah. And um, I had a pretty big chip on my shoulder because all... All I really ever wanted, like most young boys, yeah. is a superhero in their life. And I didn't have one. Yeah. And so my mom didn't age well. She actually aged pretty unwell. She had a phenomenal life until me, and then she invested in, in raising me. Yeah. But her health started to deteriorate. Gotcha. Right at the same time I was getting into fitness. And so she was one of my first clients. Yeah. But ultimately, my mom lost her life to prescription medication. Yeah. And so that spun me into a pretty dark uh, circle. You know, I share this story and I hope I'm okay to be vulnerable with you and your listeners. 100%, man. But I found my mom in her own home in the bathtub. She had had a stroke. She self-induced, self-intoxicated on prescription medication. And um, she pretty much, you know, Prince and Michaeled out. She, um, you know, drowned on her own esophagus. And, oh my gosh. And, and so I came home to that. Uh, at 24 years of age 
And I used that uh, as a reason to um, sedate, yeah. uh, to drink, right. to party, to say, you know, F the world. Uh, and now I had two people in my life that I could blame everything on. Sure. The, the fatherless childhood and now seeing my mom the way that I did. Yeah. And so by the grace of God, um, my high school sweetheart and I had somewhat still had a connection. Yeah. And, um, you know, we, we reconnected one night in Lake Tahoe and that turned into three nights. And about two weeks later, that turned into a phone call where my wife said, Hey, I'm pregnant. And, uh, she's, um, you know, four star general in the executive commercial real estate space. Right. I said, freeze, don't do anything. Yeah. I'll be right there. And so I spent a week pretty much on bended knee, um, telling her that this was going to work out. That's, that's a, that's a heavy, I mean, that's a lot, man. Like going from being raised by, by, a, by a single mom, right? Like to seeing the, the one person who gave everything for you to be in that sort and see her like that and have that chip on your shoulder and then realize that in, in some way, I, 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 I'm all, I'm I'm on my way to be just like the guy that I hate, but then go. I've got to turn. This is something's got to be different, man. And that's that's it, an, that's an, that's an intense thing in your early twenties. It was. Um, I can I can talk about it now at forty three. Yeah. Uh, I can look at all that pain and and use it as fuel. I've done enough work on myself. Right. To go through the progression and say this is um, this was God's plan. Yeah. In order for me to become the man that I am, not only did I have to not have a father, but I had to witness my mom go through what she went through. Yeah. And that was a deterioration in health. That was an addiction to prescription prescribed medication. And um, ultimately not aging the way that I want to. Right. And so I became a father in uh, October, got married in May 06, became a father to my son, Cannon, who's now 15, in 2006, and was still the same dude. I was the same effed up kid that I was at 14, 16, 18, 20. Sure. I was addicted to alcohol. I didn't have a game plan. I wasn't that fit at the time. Yeah. And ultimately, I was... The number one reason I was in my own way my whole life was me, but I still didn't know at that time. I just knew I needed to make some changes. Right. And so my daughter's born in 08, and I'm out of the fitness business. I'm out of personal training. CrossFit doesn't quite exist yet. Right. And I realized that the, the choices that I had made, the behaviors, the patterns, the habits that I had grown up with, the lack of discipline was something that I needed to shift. Again, not instant, Right. but it started with getting sober. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm 13 years sober right now. Mazel tov, man. Congrats. Yes. That's a, that is a big, that is a big deal. Yes. I have, I have many friends who have gone and walked that path and dude, that's a, that's a, that's a road and it's, it's a daily, it really is a daily choice, man. And that's, that's huge. So big ups to you. Yeah. Well, thank you, brother. You know, it, it wasn't necessarily easy, No. Um, but I also had been drinking since I was about 14. Yeah. 
And so I, I spent a good decade plus, let's call it 15 years, sedating through alcohol. Yeah. I was the freshman in high school driving, you know, dating a senior, drinking on the weekends. Right. I was an 18 year old working as a bouncer at a 21 and over nightclub. Right. I was a 21 year old who now had been doing this long enough that it became part of who I was. Yeah. I was the party guy. Yeah. And my face, maybe that's a picture we should share, yeah. of what I look like on my wedding day and what I look like now yeah. is night and day because all of that juice just sat in my neck bone oh, and yeah. in my chins. And what I hadn't realized was that that was who I thought I was. Right. And, um, you that's know... All, that's all you'd been ever... Told. That's all so I've That's been, all you'd reinforce yourself with. That was the story I lived. Yeah. And so then I used these people, mom and dad, to continue down that path. Right. And then I became a dad and realized that I hadn't even become a man yet. Right. How the heck was I going to be a, a dad? Yeah. And so it started with eliminating the alcohol. It started with learning uh, about CrossFit again timing is everything right god's plan i don't have a choice in this i'm just kind of following it right but we got into crossfit and my family was involved and our kids were grown up in in that environment yeah and i met a lot of great people but again i'm still now staring down the barrel of, of being a 40 year old personal trainer right and so um i started to really invest heavily in me which is something that I had not done. Yeah. And um, I spent a year when we sold in 2016. And again, when, when, when you hear people talk about selling their business. Yeah. Yeah. When you sell a gym business, <laughs> yeah. you're pretty much saying, here you go, bro. It's yeah. It's, it's yours. Take it. Take, uh, please. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. <laughs> you almost have to pay somebody. Yes. To take it from you. Yes. So you know, timing's everything, right? Um, this is pre-COVID uh, that we got out of the fitness business, right? And I spent a year spinning in a circle, like I, I didn't. I had a lot less planned because now I had no identity, right? Because up until this point, w once you'd gotten yourself sober and better, you were the fitness guy. I was the fitness guy. I was the CrossFit guy. We had so many early TV plugs that if I go back to like my, my YouTube, yeah. we were on TV once a month. Yeah. Right? Right. Once with a mohawk, right? <laughs> once with adaptive athletes, once with my kids. Like, right. We were the marketing masterminds yeah. of the early CrossFit adopters. Right. And we saw great success with that. And so I didn't have any of those things any longer. And then, you know, I just started to really go, okay, well, what am I good at? What do I want to do? Right. I don't want to stop. I don't want to go get a job. Yeah. I don't, I don't want to go leave what I love doing to go pursue a paycheck. Right. And we know a lot of people that had to do that. Yeah. And if you had, if that's what you had to do, that's what you had to do. There's no shame in that. But, Not at all. But if you know and feel that you've got something more and there's a calling... You got to chase that because yeah. you're never going to be happy. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, you know, kind of how we got here. Uh, I had already been doing some early social media, something I've been doing since we opened our gym. Right. Right. My, my daughter was born on Facebook <laughs> and we were doing live videos before you could go live. Right. right. We'd record a video on a little mini micro camera and then upload it immediately. Right. And so I've never been someone who's been afraid of just testing and, yeah. and throwing shit against the wall and seeing what sticks right. and then smearing it once it does. Yeah. So Fathers of the Future had already been somewhat established, but we hadn't really 
opened up it to flourish. Okay. And so I started with interviews and, you know, interviewing dads on how they got here and, you know, what, what, what was it like for them? And, you know, did they have a dad growing up? And all at the same time, I'm doing this deep work on me while I'm raising kids. Right. And so not only was I the first avatar in this, I had to walk the talk. 100%. Because my kids would call me out on it. My family would call me out on it. Sure. And so I'm, I'm learning in real time while I'm applying, while I'm then teaching. Yeah. And uh, again, man, I spent a good year in every class, uh, every um, keynote presentation from Tony Robbins to Warrior to... Yeah, I was going to say, what was some of the like work? You talked yeah. about all this work that you did. What were some of the stuff yeah. that you... Well, it started in post or at least towards the end of the, the, the CrossFit competition days. Yeah. I came in fourth place, four events in a row, four four CrossFit competitions in a row. Right. Most people be like, dude, that's dope. Yeah. No, it's not. Yeah. Because everyone's on the podium except for you. Yeah, you're standing there. And you're in the back corner with your little, <laughs> you know, ditty bag full of free shit. Yeah. And you didn't, you didn't get there. Right. And so my realization was, although I had become physically great, my mental capacity was terrible right and so even before we sold i seeked and i searched for mental training sure and i found seal fit okay and so commander mike mark divine yeah has a program called kokoro it's a 55 hour course That's right we're, if i remember correctly were you the honor man uh so no oh okay uh but i went twice because the first time I didn't get what I needed. So you see, I'm one of these guys that usually learns um, after, you know, I spend some time on rock bottom. Right. Right. Like I, I got to get my ass kicked twice in order to understand the lesson in sure. it. Sure. So I did that. I started to become mentally tougher. Yeah. Right. And, and that is a practice. 100%. And it's a huge problem. I mean, I think it's the biggest reason why we have so many kids on antidepressants and so many kids on anti-anxiety medication and so many people on those medications because we don't know how to be resilient. Things are so easy and spoon fed to you and you go to the grocery store and anything you could ever want is there and pre-made the right, like you, something doesn't go right. Generally most people's parents or somebody's going to take care of it for you. And so we have no resilience, no grit. Mm -hmm. And it's, it, it's manifesting itself in behavior and emotional status. And, and you see it in the way young boys now even deal with women. Like it's, yeah, it's, yes. it's, it's, it's a yeah. problem. So I was that mentally weak man yeah. who needed to get his ass kicked right. in multiple different domains. And so what I realized was nobody had taught me how to be mentally tough. Didn't have a father figure around. Yeah. Maybe, maybe that's dad's role at some point. hundred percent. Is to be, you know. A loving tough man yeah. in a young boy's life yeah and so i could now pinpoint that and say that's why i wasn't mentally tough or resilient yeah but i want to become that and so my physicality and my mentality started to grow together yeah but what i was missing was the emotional and eventually the spiritual yeah. growth and so then i went down the tony robbins route in early 2017 okay and realized I want to be doing this. I want to be on stage. I want to impact people. I want to tell people my story. I want to empower people to live a greater life. Looking 
at the negatives that I had experienced and the pain and use that as fuel. Right. That was leverage as, as Tony calls it. Okay. I didn't have that. Yeah. So started unpacking the emotional side of things. Yeah. Well, that took me down so many different rabbit holes. Oh yeah. You know, I spent seven days sitting in a, in a Buddhist, uh, village, you know, eating vegetarian feed, learning about consciousness. Where at? Like in Tibet or? Uh, in, in Crestone, Colorado. There you go. Hey, close. Close. <laughs> it's up in the mountains. Uh, and that became now my, my emotional work yeah. of also unpacking the fact that I had taken um, two dead people. My dad is a phantom, as I call him. Yeah. Not a ghost. No. But a phantom. He would come in and out of my life, even though I've never met him. Yeah. And he would leave a lot of residue, emotional residue. Sure. And so I pa- unpacked that. And one of the things I did in this, you know, breath work type session yeah. was I realized that I had broken the curse. And that was probably one of the most um, valuable moments of my life where I'm breathing, I'm, I'm learning this, you know, holotropic breath work. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm in this village. Um, I'm about as connected to my consciousness as I've ever been in my life. And it hits me like a ton of bricks. I've broken the curse that my dad had set. I have broken the pattern. I will not be my father. Yeah. And I run out of this, you know, Tibetan type tent. How real quick, how how did that like how did that feel? The most how freeing moment of my life. Yeah. I can only yeah, I can yeah. only imagine, man. Yeah, because a big fear as a um, alpha yeah. Is that you'll become your father, especially if he was bad. Yeah. And so my dad was a bad dude. And my biggest fear, um, you know, dating and, and, and not being loyal early in, in my, you know, career as a single man and then getting thrown into a marriage with kids yeah. was that I would become him. Sure. And so through that that work and it took a few years to get to that moment it wasn't like i just you know tapped into some breath yeah and all of a sudden i'm there 10 days of vim hoff and i'm cured (laughs) (laughs) yeah but it was one of the greatest feelings in the world and really more importantly is it taught me that i could do this yeah i could continue to learn about me my greatest enemy yeah as well as my greatest rival And so I started to change the story and the narrative that I had lived with. I was no longer cursed. This black cloud that lived over my head for my entire childhood into my early 20s was something that I could change, but it wouldn't come easy, right? Right. And I had to go and continue down and, you know, read the books. And then what I found out in this gap, physical, mental, emotional, was that there was very little spiritual in me. Right. And so we're not talking religion, we're talking spirituality. I got you. But I had lost that. Sure. And so then it was time to open up that that one more missing piece. And with spirituality, you know, for me at least it was it was reading and understanding the language. Okay. It was having conversations with my God, okay. which I hadn't had before. Sure. And it was listening to the voices. The greatest voice I heard was my 11-year-old daughter, who's now 13. Okay. Tell me, Dad, I believe in you. I believe in God. I believe in Jesus Christ. And I believe you need more Jesus in your heart. 
true story, man. And that, it just that, hit me. Yeah, I'm like, that just had to cut. Yeah. So she's my spiritual gangster. Yeah. She has a connection that she was born with to to the light that took me 43 years to get a small taste and touch of. It's So I'm a new dad. Yeah. Six months. My I've, I came late to the party, man. I'm yeah. 39. Yeah. Six six month old little boy, and uh, what's his name? Porter. Yeah. yeah. Porter Brigham, and you know it's interesting when I think about it, and I I might you want to talk about getting vulnerable? I might I'm 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 the crier. My wife will my wife makes fun of me because I I'll cry at commercials, man. And uh, but just when he first showed up going you just came at least as far as i know from the presence of god man like you were just there and now you're here and it's it's one of those things where i would be holding him and he'd be looking at me and then he'd be looking off over my shoulder and he can't see more than a couple you know inches from his face and 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 it just i don't know i had this feeling that he's talking to somebody he's communicating with I don't know that, you know, I can't prove it, but I believe that, you know, family members or other people are, are giving him guidance and kind of helping him out a little bit. And and so, yeah, like that, the, your daughter, children have a special connection. They're not, they're not encumbered by stories yet. Mm. And these other preconceived notions that we put on. People. They haven't been hurt yet. Yeah. And, and how many people do we know? How many stories have we heard about people being hurt in the church? Sure. For whatever reason, physical, mental, emotional. It's a lot of religious people that aren't very spiritual. Yeah. <sighs> a lot of religious people that are more interested in the rules and regulations than uh, having a real relationship. If, if Christianity is your thing, having a real relationship with Jesus Christ. Right? That's, at least if that's your brand of spirituality, that's what it's all about. Yeah. I wrote an article last this January still, uh, my daughter and I, um, we got COVID positive. And so we had to check into a, uh, a little Airbnb and we spent three, four days, you know, kind of just sitting around doing nothing. Yeah. And this is when I started to realize how spiritual she was. Sure. And I sat down and I wrote, um, I'll have to share it with you, but it's called love is my religion. Yeah, man. Like the Ziggy Marley song. Sure. And I just wrote about how I had, you know, completely removed myself from that space, not realizing that there's another space that I could have been in the whole time. And sure. so I was in a void yeah. of, of non-belief or non-existence at all. Right. And how many people are in that place? Tons. And so I knew again, through spiritual work that I had an active meditation, breath work, journal practice. Yep. I believed in something greater than myself and I had a voice and that was my daughter. And that was enough for me sure. to say, all right, let's open, let's kick this door down. Yeah. Because again, if we go through this core four, if you will, of, of areas of your life, you know, your physicality, your mentality, your emotional or, and then the spirituality. Right. For me, it was one, two, three, four. Right. Well, I'm always constantly reorganizing those now. Sure. Right. What's the priority? Oh, I'm going to take a 10 minute meditation over a 10 minute workout today. 100%. I'm going to spend five minutes thanking God through gratitude this morning 
versus jumping on my phone or, or creating a video for somebody else. Right. And so our priorities change over time. 100%. At 43 now, my priorities are much different than they were at 33 or 23. But back to the original yeah. piece about fathers of the future, right. this is what I'm teaching men now. Yeah. To use their painful past, if they have one, sure. as power. To use whatever story they used to tell as leverage. To take and own this position and title as father, one that if you have a child like you do now, yeah. you'll have for the rest of your life. And not just be good at it, but be phenomenal at it. Yeah. Become a better man so that you can be a better father. And in doing that be a better leader, a better teacher, a better communicator, and just have an overall better and greater, higher quality of life. That's how Fathers of the Future was born. It's awesome, man. And I don't know if maybe this played into the name of Fathers of the Future, but by doing that for men today, you are creating, those men are creating phenomenal fathers by raising their sons or raising their daughters to find the kind of man that that their dads are now. Yeah. Right? Not that they're trying, you know, not not the whole Electra thing, but just yeah. knowing that this is the kind of man that we that that society needs and this is who I need to be with. You have three choices in life. You can be the victim, mm -hmm. you can be the villain, yep. or you can be the hero. Everybody wants to be a hero. That's, well, not everybody wants to do the work <laughs> no, but... or, or wants the responsibility uh, to do the work. But I will replay that in my head just about every day. Yeah. And what, what am I choosing to be today? Sure. And it's easy, you know, to be the, the victim. Uh, it's an easy switch to then become the villain. Sure. But to be the hero consistently, yeah. man, that takes a lot of work. It does. You know, I mean, especially like being the villain, right? Anger, resentment, those are way easier emotions to tap into than temperance, right? Than forgiveness. Patience. Patience. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go on a limb and assume that you're a fan of Jordan Peterson. Yeah. Yeah. He just, I was listening to something the other day and he, he talked about, right? He's like, a good man is not a weak man or a, or a, or a man and an ineffective or not dangerous man. He's like, a good man is a dangerous man. Yeah. A good man is a dangerous man who knows he's dangerous yeah. and chooses to not hurt people. Something to that effect. Yeah. I'm probably butchering the quote, but Yeah, no, it's good though. But but this I think I think what you're doing is super important. And so Fathers of the Future, then are you getting are you mentoring men one on one? How does this work? Yeah, great question. So, you know, I work with men in multiple ways. There's three domains. The first one is one on one high performance coaching, where, yeah. where we work on everything the physicality, mentality, emotional side of things. We untap the past in order to create a, a compelling future. Um, I do small, um, what we call uh, universal brotherhood. So once you've completed a course or a class, you kind of get put into this mastermind. Sure. And it's ongoing for life. Like it's every week I lead it. It's a zoom. It's digital. We got guys all over the country that are a part of it. It gives them some place to go after they've done some of the deep work. Sure. And then I got this game changer and you might've heard of it. It's called the crucible. I've seen the videos. Yeah. It's, it's really cool. I'm a civilian. And so, you know, 
I'm sending lots of love out to not only our military, but our veterans and the family. Uh, it, it is not based after the Marine Corps' crucible. However, there are a lot of pieces of it. Inside of the, the, the terminology of the crucible means that you are transforming. Right. And so we've created this event here in Scottsdale, Arizona, that takes you on a journey. Uh, it is a two-day immersive experience that day one is 18 hours, day two is 12 hours. And unlike sitting in a room learning information, yeah. we're constantly taking action. So from the morning we start, there's a lot of physical once we get into the emotional, we've got things like sound healing and ice baths and rock climbing. Um, by the end of day one, you have shed what you were. Yeah. Then we come back day two and we go a little bit deeper. We do some tactical firearms training to oh, make sure you can armorize. Yeah. We're in the great state of Arizona. Constitutional carry, yeah, baby. That's right. And so a lot of these guys that live here or that don't come from here, maybe they own a weapon. Yeah. but they're not tactically understanding how to use it. And so we bring in veterans, guys that have gone through this course. Yeah. All of my coaches are, are, are veterans. And we do some combat training a little bit later in the day at a okay. couple of different MMA gyms to, to learn how to uh, escape, uh, how to fight off um, somebody who's coming to... to... I mean, you, sounds like you're really creating toxic men here. <laughs> yeah. yeah, something like You're that. You're tapping yeah. into that toxic yeah. masculinity, right? Yeah. No, this sounds amazing. We are uncovering every area of a man. Some of them are places that men have never been, and some of them are places that men don't want to go to. Right. But through this mental, physical, emotional, spiritual, even financial, we get into the part of what is your relationship like with money, with income? You know, do you find yourself sedating, purchasing, like buying shit to feel better in the short term? We unpack everything yeah. so that by the time the two days is over with, right? And, and again, we talk about, you know, how did we get here? Well, I spent five days in a Tony Robbins immersion walking on coal. It did nothing for me. <laughs> I spent 55 hours in, in seal fit training you know, with, you know, Know, active military right. getting my ass kicked. Yeah. It did a lot for me, but I can't live there. Right. And so we take all these different attributes and dynamics that exist, things that men will face in life, yeah. and we shine a light on it, and then we teach them how to become better at it at the exact same time so that once training is done, you've experienced, you've tasted it, you've touched it, you've felt it, you've bled yeah. which is a very important part of growth in a man, yeah. is to continue to push yourself to that edge, push past the edge, yeah. realize you didn't die, right. and that the way you were living isn't even close to the capability you are able to live. You, you, to borrow from like Jungian archetypes, right? You're giving men a dragon to slay. You're giving them a quest to go on. Every man needs a quest and a dragon to slay and a princess to save, man. Yeah, well, you're, you're in, in the heart of men, right? Um, you saw the book in, in the garage. Oh, Wild at Heart? Wild at Heart. Yeah, man. And I'll, I'll pull that quote out because it's, it's so powerful. Uh, it's in my notes here. While you're looking, yeah, while you're looking that up. But I, I think this is why what you're doing is so important because men, I feel like, Hot take, but society has told men that your natural masculinity, who you are, the things that make men great is bad. It's terrible. It's a problem. And, and it's not a problem. It, 
it's something that should be celebrated. It's something that should be cultivated and harnessed, right? Like they talk about boys need to wrestle with their fathers so that that kid understands the awesome physical power and damage that their dad could do to them, but he does not because he is a good man and he's teaching them how to harness their power as a young man. The, the demasculinity of men in America is disgusting. It's yeah. repulsive and it's uh, acceptable. Yeah. And so I want to be It's cool. Yeah. I mean that's that's what I mean, but it's the, yeah. it's the it's the thing, right? Yeah. And we saw it back in the 90s where all of a sudden dad became a buffoon in in his own home on sitcoms. Yeah. Right? Mom was the sharp one, dad's an idiot. And that's not the case. No. No. Equal partners. No. Working side by side. Yeah. Pull, you can't be, right, to borrow from the Bible, you can't be unequally yoked with your yeah. partner. Yeah. No, it doesn't exist. So wild at heart, in the heart of every man is a desperate desire for a battle to fight, an adventure to live, and a beauty to love. Absolutely. Yeah. It's just a great way to live. Yeah, man. It's awesome. Yeah, man. So that's what I'm spending my time doing. Yeah. Um, the keynote business has has gotten you know bigger than I expected it to, but I'm not ready to travel around the country 200 days a year. Right. And so I, I pick and choose you know who I want to work with. Yeah. Um, there's a pretty extensive interview process for my one-on-one coaching and and for the crucibles. Yeah. Uh, but at the end of the day, if if you're a man, and and you're missing something. Right? Yeah. You're 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 asleep at the wheel. You've you've hit 43. Uh, you're still a 40 year old personal trainer and you want to know what the heck's next. <laughs> right. Um, this is a great way to invest in yourself yeah. and do something that's completely out of, you know, your comfort zone. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's become my life's work. I love it, man. So where can people find you then on, I mean, we're going to put links to all this, all your social media and stuff and yeah. your website, but where can people find you? Yeah. So I, I'm going to go out on a limb here because, um, you are a brother. My cell phone is seven, six, zero, three, 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 zero, nine, five, nine. Holy cow. All you got to do is send me a text and say, I, I heard you on Briggs podcast uh, and I'll start a communication with you there. And if you're local and you're, you're ready to do something about, you know, boring and uh, average and, you know, sedation, um, I'll meet with you uh, and we'll find a way to connect. And if you're the right fit and at the right time for fathers of the future, you'll know. And I know one of my favorite quotes of all time. And again, my coaching career started 19 and 20 but really if it goes it goes back to when i was young i didn't have a dad yeah and so i had to learn things on my own right when i became a man i realized i need to learn a whole lot of things that i couldn't learn on my own right and so one of my favorite quotes of all time is when the student is ready the teacher will appear right and so I believe there's probably somebody who's listening to this right now going, all right, well, maybe, maybe that's my dude. Maybe that's the right timing. Maybe that's God's plan for me to listen to this podcast that, you know, Briggs starting in January of 2022. Yeah. And although he started it with the idea around, you know, body and, and physicality and rehab, that this message touched somebody's heart Yeah. and, and they need a shift and a change. And this is the right place and the right time to make it happen. Awesome, man. Well, I think there's a perfect place to put a pin in this, dude. So 
I appreciate you being so gracious, man, with your time, being vulnerable and, and speaking with me, brother. I yeah, appreciate it. I appreciate you, brother. 